Thanks for joining us on the Southside Church Podcast. We seek to build real followers of Jesus, so we hope that you find this message both encouraging and insightful. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody, welcome today to Southside Church. My name's Jeff Williams. I'm thankful today for you and for you taking time to watch, hang out with us, open up the Bible, and uh, see what God has to say for us in the day in which we live. The series today is called All In. And if you want to go all in, you got to be willing to go all out. And so that's kind of what this is about. And I'm not going to rhyme the rest of the way through, but we don't have time for me to rhyme. But nevertheless, we're going to look at what Jesus is teaching us through the greatest sermon ever recorded, the Sermon on the Mount. We took two months to walk through just the introduction, verse by verse, the teaching of Jesus and seeing what he has to say in his first sermon recorded in the book of Matthew, chapters 5, 6, and 7. But as we read it, he deals with so many other great topics and things, and we just began to open it up and say, let's keep going and see where it goes. And so today, we continue through the Sermon on the Mount with this series that we call All In. And uh, and, and so today's message, I'm, this is what I'm titling it. I called it Why Me? Not that that's a big deal for you, not that you need to know why uh, we title things or call them that, but Why Me? I'm a, I'm a parent. We have kids. Candy and I have three kids, and they're all older. I mean, one's 13, one's 19, one's 24. But, but you can go back to the day that they were born, and when they started talking and really started putting sentences together and trying to figure out living, even as a toddler, there was a question that they would ask a lot, and it was, Why? You would tell them to do something, they would say, why? You would ask them about this, they would say, why? And why, and why, and why, and why? And eventually, I understood why my parents said the words, because I said so. Because the whys come in rapid succession. Those questions change a little bit as they go into their teenage years. They go from why to why not. Why can't I? I want to know why I can't do this. Why, 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 why? With eventually them saying, but everybody else gets to do it. Everybody else's parents let them do it. And then again, I would respond like my parents. Well, if everybody else's parents let you them jump off a cliff, would you do it too? You know, so, so we kind of follow in our parents' footsteps. But something changes. As you enter into adulthood and start living life and experiencing the difficulties of life, and uh, you tend to personalize those questions. And we go from why to why not to why me? Why me? Why am I going through this? Why are they doing this to me? Why is this happening to me? And um, so as we look today and introduce this thing, I I believe that a real and growing faith is able to turn the question of why me to why not me. See, a lot of the way you ask the question is, is, is really, it, it really it reveals a lot about what you are going through and where you are. And so I think we miss out a lot of times on this faith journey. Because we, we give God maybe just a, a portion of a day. We give God just a little bit of time in our life. We give God a decision, but nothing else. 
And so we don't make room for him to work and move in and through our life. And so we really never experience a real and growing faith. But a real and growing faith is able to turn the question of why me to why not me? I mean, I can do that. I can look today and say, man, why, why me? God, why me? Candy, why me? This, why me? Church, why me? I can do that in all kinds of different scenarios. Why me? But when I take time to slow down and open up this book and get real with God, he begins to show me things through his word that can really change the question from why me to why not me? Jesus said this. He said in Matthew 5, 13, you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled on by men. He said, you are the light of the world, a city situated on a hill that cannot be hidden. And no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. And he says, so in the same way, let your light so shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. You, Jesus said, are the salt of the earth. He's speaking here to people who are going to place their faith in him and become followers of him. And, and, and he's talking to them about the powerful effects of salt. Salt in his day and time was used in a variety of ways. It was used to, to, to bring flavor into to, to life, much the way we use it. It was also used in medicine, but primarily it was used as a preservative because they didn't have refrigeration back then and it was a way to keep uh, food stored and, and, and safe and, and good to eat. And so they used it in a lot of ways as a preservative to protect. It was also used as a medication to heal. And it was used as flavor to, to bring spice to living and to, to food that they would have. And Jesus is looking at them and he's translating it through to us. You, as Matthew wrote, are the salt of the earth. He said, if salt loses its taste, if it uses its, loses its usefulness, what good is it? Well, it's not good for anything but to be thrown out and to be trampled on by men. And so here, Jesus is not talking about you and I losing our salvation or getting to a place where, um, where we, could, we could actually maybe not get to heaven. Jesus is talking about us losing our effectiveness and our influence in a world that is in desperate need of preserving a godly way of life, bringing healing words to a culture that is dying, and bringing some flavor and some spice back to a world. See, Jesus never meant for you to be dull and boring. He never meant for faith and our relationship with him to be dull and boring. He meant for it to be alive, vibrant, real, and growing. The problem is, though, you and I, as followers of Christ, many people today, have valued belief over behavior. That's just what we've done. We've, we, we'll come to church or we'll, we'll do these kind of things and we will, we will deepen our belief, but we never translate it into behavior. 
And so much of what we want to talk about during this month is how to do this very thing, how to take the beliefs that we have in God, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, our faith in Him, and translate that into behavior where our relationship with God literally does help us to become salt in a world that is in desperate need of a touch of God. I think that's what is so cool about God, that he came to earth through Jesus Christ, gave his life for us, and not just to immediately take us up. If all God wanted us to do when we became followers of him was to be followers of him, he would immediately take you to heaven. But he didn't. He left you here. Why did he leave us here? To take what he had put inside of us and let it come through us to touch a world that is in desperate need of his preservation, of his healing, of his flavor and life that he brings. See, I believe this, that believing is only the beginning. And the essence of becoming a follower of Jesus is to turn right beliefs into right behaviors. Today, how can you and I How can you and I live a life that leaves a mark? There's going to come a day for everybody when it ends here and you step out into eternity. The most important question you could ever answer in your life is what are you going to do with Jesus and his gift of salvation? And if you've made it that a personal commitment to your life and you've accepted his gift of salvation, that's awesome. But now what are you going to do with that? Because Jesus doesn't just save you to take you to heaven. He saves you so that he can can help you be a, a, a blessing in the world in which he has given us. But a lot of times, the enemy that comes against us because God's way of living is always contradictory to the world's way of living. When when the enemy comes against us and he fights against us, he really takes problems and issues, even people, hurt and pain. And And it changes our focus, takes it off of God, puts it on the problem or the pain, and we begin to ask the question, why me? Why me? Why here? Why us? Why now? I mean, all of the different ways we could ask the question, but why me? But it's amazing when I turn back into the Bible and see God's word, he begins to shift the question of why me to why not me? We see that lived out, and I'm going to do this over the next several weeks of just taking you back through stories. I love telling stories. I love reading stories from God's word, and I love being able to take those stories and see how we can bring significance to our life. In Exodus chapter three, in Exodus chapter three, we see one of the coolest stories of a man named Moses. Moses is, as I mean, many of us would know today, I mean, from the Ten Commandments, Charlton Heston, I mean, Moses, in, in all throughout the Old Testament, the New Testament, Moses, writing the first five books of the Bible, Moses, one of the greatest leaders in the history of the world, Moses, wow, he's great. Let my people go, Pharaoh. Moses, powerful leader. This is long before any of that. See, today in Exodus chapter three, Moses finds himself in the desert on the run. And to get some backstory, you ought to go back and read the first two chapters of Exodus and see how Israel has ended up as slaves in Egypt. And Moses finds himself uh, basically 
put or given away by his parents, put in a basket and sent down the Nile River because the Egyptians were trying to kill all the young Jewish Hebrew boys. And this basket with this baby in it ends up at Pharaoh's palace. And he's brought into Pharaoh's house. And he's raised in the ways of the Egyptians. And Moses becomes a man and And one day Moses, who knows his heritage and his upbringing, finds himself seeing his people, the Jewish people, being tortured and tormented by an Egyptian soldier. And Moses kills that man. And and, and it doesn't, Moses basically tries to take matters into his own hands. He tries to become a deliverer for the people of Israel and not even knowing that that was what God's plan was for his life. But Moses took the, the matter in his hands. And he made a mess of it. And Pharaoh wanted to kill him because of it. And so Moses flees some 285 miles away, deeper into the desert, into a land called Midian. And there he meets a man who is a priest and a religious man, and he meets the man's daughter, and he marries her and becomes the father-in-law or the the, the son-in-law to this man. And then he just begins taking care of the household duties. And in Exodus chapter 3, Moses is, is in the desert. He's taking care of the sheep, and this is just an everyday thing for him. And when I look at the question, how can I live a life that leaves a mark, I think Moses would probably look at where he is right now in life and say, man, why me? (laughs) You know, why me? Why, why did I survive as a baby? Why did, I, why did my parents send me down the river? Why did my, and parents, you may want to do that some with your kids today, don't do it, all right? But, but why? Why did I end up at Pharaoh's palace? Why did I get brought up into that? So that why did I see this and see this happen? Why did I have to do that? Why me? When you read the story, I think that's just where he is. He's content being in the desert. He's safe being in the desert. He's comfortable being in the desert. He's making a life in the desert. But how in you how is it but is his life really leaving a mark? Number one, three things today. If you're gonna live a life that leaves a mark, you gotta let God start a fire in you. You gotta let God start a fire inside of you. Exodus chapter three. Meanwhile, Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro. He was the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. This is the same mountain where later on, years later, Moses is going to lead the nation of Israel, a, a ragtag group of slaves, about two million strong, back to this place. And this is the place where God will speak to him again and give him the Ten Commandments. But that gets ahead of us. Here, Moses is hiding, living life the best way he knows how. And it says, Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire within a bush. 
Now, I've seen things on fire before. I've seen trees and bushes on fire, but the fire consumes the trees and the bushes. This fire is different because it's not a fire that destroys or consumes. It's a fire that speaks. It's a fire that is not harming the bush. And it's signifying the presence of the Lord. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire within a bush. And as Moses looked, he saw that the bush was on fire but was not consumed. And so Moses thought, I need to go over there and take a look at this remarkable sight. Why isn't the bush burning up? I mean, I, I mean, he's walking, he's got sheep going around by, they're all happening, they're all around, and he catches, he catches, a, he sees a fire. Maybe he sees the smoke. If you're like me, if I see smoke, I know there's fire. If I see fire trucks, I want to follow it. I want to go see what's going on. And so maybe this has never changed. Maybe we get this from our descendants, and we want to go and check out this site. And when Moses sees the bush from a distance, he sees that it's on fire, but it's not being consumed. And so he's like, man, I'm going to go check this out. And so when we see this and we look at this story, what's the significance of it? Well, God wanted the fire that drew him to burn within him. And so if I want to live a life that leaves a mark, I got to let God start a fire inside of me. And so the fire that drew him is the very fire that God wanted to burn inside of him. And so if you want to hear the secrets of God, you've got to be willing to get closer to God. And so there's a statement that I saw. I heard, I was reading a book and saw a man talk about rim huggers. He was talking about hiking versus sightseeing. And he gave the reference of the Grand Canyon. Now I get that because we were able to visit the Grand Canyon recently and Candy and I are not hikers. We are sightseers, okay? This guy's telling the story of hiking with his son down into the basin of the canyon and then spending the night and hiking his way back up. And as he's coming up and they're struggling for air and really having a difficult time and, and, and just nasty from all the stuff that's happened in two days, here's all the sightseers watching. He said, there's a difference between being in the canyon and looking over the canyon. And that's the difference between a hugger and a hiker. There's a rim hugger, and then there's a rim hiker. And, and, and so a lot of people, when we translate that, because Jeff and Candy were the ones looking out over the canyon, not walking down into the canyon. We're not that adventurous. But that's the way this guy was, and he got to experience. He said, you know what? We both saw the th- same things, but we experienced them differently. If you want a faith that is real and growing, then you've got to be willing to get close to God so that he can speak to your life. There is a world of difference between knowing God and, and or knowing about God and knowing God. And so you and I many times are educated way above our level of obedience. Moses wants to go check this out. See, if you want to live a life that leaves a mark, you got to be willing to let God start a fire in you. So, don't be afraid to come close to the Lord. And it's so much easier to say than to do. Because when you're having difficulty, when you're experiencing pain, when life hurts, 
it's, it's hard to trust even God because we have all these preconceived notions about God. God's not happy with me. God's not pleased with me. God doesn't love me. God can't forgive me. And those things are, are not true because God loved the world so much that he gave you his only son that if you'd believe in him, you wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. So God loves you. He's also forgiven you. And God is an ever-present help in our time of need. He's a loving father. He's an ever-forgiving father, and he wants you to come to him. Jesus said, come to me if you're weary and troubled, and I will give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me because I'm meek and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your weary souls because my yoke is easy and, and my burden is light. And so, so if we want God to start a fire in us, we can't be afraid to come close to him. Now, Moses is just catching this sight, and he's thinking, man, this is cool. Let me go check it out. <laughs> then, then this is what happens. We, can't just, we don't just let God start a fire in us. We've got to let God consume us. And each one of these statements gets more difficult because they get more in-depth. And we have to trust more of ourselves and our life to God. And just to, this is just the way we are. We, we want to live a life of comfort rather than sacrifice. We want to live a life of ease rather than difficulty. The problem with that is life is hard. Life is difficult. And it requires sacrifice if we want to experience blessing, success, happiness, and true joy. And so we can't just let God start a fire in us. We've got to let God consume us. Consume us because God's love, his work, his power is like a consuming fire in us. And it's not to burn us up, it's to use us for his glory and to, 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 to help us leave a mark on this world that he has placed us. And so this is what we see in verse four. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, because a lot of times God wants to know if you're interested. Are you gonna come and listen? Are you going to come? Are you going to click it on? Are you going to come to a campus? Are you going to come and sit down? Are you going to come closer to him? Are you going to care enough to walk over and see what is happening? Because when the Lord saw that he had gone over, God called out to him from the bush, Moses, he knows my name. I mean, I don't know about you, but if I stop and think about this for a minute and I see a bush that's on fire, but it's not being consumed, I'm like, no, oh, that's kind of cool. Let me walk over there and check it out. And the closer I get, all of a sudden, the bush starts calling my name. Now, this is kind of the stuff where you start to begin to question, is this really happening? But, but, but these, are, these are the kind of stories that you read in the Old Testament. And the Old Testament stories are there not to make us doubt God, but to show us how God would speak to them then. And he gives us this on the written page of his book so that now we can take that and we can experience that in our own life. Have you, Pastor, have you ever heard God call your name? No, not audibly, but I have through his word. And it's almost like when God begins to work through his word into your life, you almost get this sixth sense. So, so I know we can see, I know we can hear, I know we can taste, I know we can smell, I know we can feel, but when you begin to let God work out your faith, you begin to get this sixth sense. And it's a spiritual sense. It's a faith sense. And you develop it as you read his word and obey it out in real life. And so here he is. He's calling out Moses' name. What would you say? This is what Moses said. He said, here I am. Here I am. 
Maybe he went Scooby Doo on us, Rover here. You know, I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if there was a lot of laughing going on. I'm kind of freaked out if a bush is talking to me. Here I am. God said, Moses, remove your sandals from your feet. For the place where you're standing is holy ground. Moses, I want you to take off what is man-made on your feet. Because I don't want anything that you made to get in the way of the things that I've made. I want there to be a connection between you and me. God said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And the Bible says that Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. That's kind of one of those duh statements that you read in the Bible. So you're out in the desert. You see a bush on fire. It's not burning up. You want to walk over and check it out. The closer you get, it starts calling your name. <laughs> and you're like, okay, here I am. I'm really not going to come any closer because it's just really freaking me out right now. But just take your shoes off. He said, I'm the God of your fathers. Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I've seen the misery of my people in Egypt, and I've heard them crying out. And God said, I've come down to rescue them and bring them from that land to a good and spacious land flowing with milk and honey. Therefore, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh so that you may lead my people out of Egypt. See, God wanted the fire that burned in front of him to be a fire that would burn within him. But just like that fire did not consume what it had, it did not burn it up, God wanted the fire to consume Moses, but not in a way that would burn him out or use him up, but a way that would make him useful for the purposes of God. See, a lot of times you and I, we retreat when we feel the heat. We bail after we fail. We, we, we do all of these things, but, but a lot of times we, we miss the growth opportunities that God gives us because we don't let go. But if you want to grow in your faith, you've got to be able to let go. And when it comes to the Christian faith, we have a lot of excuses. We have a lot of things. We want comfort. We want ease. We want peace. We want, we want, we want the things that, that, that like Moses is experiencing. Hey, I, I want to get away. I want to live outside of that. I don't want to get in it. God, why me? See, I think a lot of times we want joy without sacrifice, success without failure, character without suffering, Gain without pain, a testimony without a test. We want it all without going all out for it. See, I think a lot of times we let our excuses become exits. 
Maybe we come to church, maybe we get a relationship with God, we say yes to Jesus, we trust Him, and we get on this highway of holiness. When life gets hard, when the road gets bumpy, when the weather gets rough, we look for exits. We look for exit ramps so that we can find shelter, so that we can find ease, so that we can find comfort, so that we can find rest. And so many times our excuses become exits. And the fire that God started in our hearts doesn't burn bright anymore. It doesn't consume us anymore. But if you and I are going to live a life that leaves a mark, we got to let God start a fire in us. we got to let that fire consume us so then we would be able to let God lead us. See, if all I'm asking, if, all, if the only time I'm asking, if everything, if all I'm asking myself is why me? God, why me? Why is this happening? What I'm doing is I'm focusing my life on the issues. But when I change my focus and I turn them vertical rather than horizontal, maybe the question begins to shift from why me to why not me? God, why not me? Why not use me? God, why not fill me? God, why not consume me? God, why not burn within me? God, why not work within me to fulfill what you have called me to do? But Moses asked, God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? What am I doing? God, I killed somebody. I killed somebody. I ran away. Pharaoh wants me dead. If I show back up, I'm as good as dead. Who am I? that I should go do this. God answered. He said, I will certainly be with you. And this will be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you bring the people out of Egypt, you will all worship God at this mountain. God said, here's my sign. Here's the sign. The very place you're standing, you're going to bring these people back to. We're going to worship together right here. See, you and I cannot be the hands and feet of Jesus if all the time we're sitting on our butts. We do. We sit on our butts all the time. Not our B-U-T-T, but our B-U-T. I would go to church, but I would follow Jesus, but I would give my tithe, but I would serve, but I would do this, but I would read my Bible, but I would pray, but you and I can't be the hands and feet of Jesus if all we're doing is sitting on our butt. See, for us, you and I should never doubt in the frustrations of life what God has showed us in the fire. This fire moment where God is speaking, telling us, showing us, speaking to Moses. And what can I take from this? What can I learn from this? Well, I can learn this. I can learn, if, if, if God, I want you to start a fire in me. I may not walk outside today and see a bush burning but not being consumed, but Moses did. And so I can read about it from this word and I can say to the God that did it for Moses, God, do it in me. And not just let that, not just to start a fire in me, God, let that fire burn brighter and brighter and brighter till the fire consumes me, till the fire burns out the impurities, till the fire burns out the problems, till the fire overwhelms the issues and shows me how great. See, fire, when it's brought under control, can bring warmth, it can cook food, it can bring health and nourishment to your life. It can be a very calming thing. And so I want God to start a fire in me. I want that fire to consume me because I want God to lead me. And so I can't doubt in the frustration what God has showed me in the fire. So Moses asked God, if I go to the Israelites and say to the God of your fathers that sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What do I tell them? And God replied to Moses, I am who I am. 
This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. When I look at this story and I see this moment, I realize this. The fire always leaves a mark. It always leaves a mark. When something is on fire, there are remnants of it. You can tell when something's been on fire. Moses was really the proof of this burning bush. The bush wasn't consumed, but Moses was. And by the way, initially he was very reluctant. He did not want to do it. After this, the rest of the chapter is full of Moses' excuses of why he can't do it. Why me? But there comes a point in his life and our life where the focus shifts from our problems to our God. That changes the question from why me to why not me. And it's in that shift and in that moment that you begin to experience the fire of God that leaves the mark. Listen, if you want to know Christ as your Savior, pray with me today. Call on the name of Jesus and ask him to start a fire inside of you. Open up his word, but begin to grow in your faith and let the God of creation, who didn't just create the world around you, but created you, let him be the one who lights his fire inside of you and then leaves a mark on the world around you. Would you pray with me? If you don't know Christ today, call on his name with me. Say these words with me. Say, Father God, I believe in you. And I believe today that you sent your one and only son to be my savior. Say to Jesus, Jesus, I believe in you. And I'm, I'm asking you today to forgive me for my sin by your grace. Make me right with you. Say to him, Jesus, be the savior and Lord of my life because I'm ready. I'm ready today. I'm ready to follow you and I'm ready to say yes to you today. Amen. Listen, if you did that with us today, let us know in the comment section below. Let us know. Come to visit us at one of our campuses. Come and see me. Come to see our pastors and stop us and say, listen, I watched on video and I said yes to Jesus. What's my next step? And let us help you begin to make a real and growing faith happen in your life. God bless you. Hope you have a wonderful day. And I hope I'll see you next week. If you made that decision today to say, yes, I do want to choose Jesus. I do want to acknowledge him as my personal Lord and Savior. Congratulations. We could not be more excited for you. And we want to help you in that process and answer any questions that you might have and provide you resources. To do that, simply text Jesus, that's J-E-S-U-S, to 706-449-0870. And one of our pastors on staff will be in touch with you because we want to help you as you walk out your faith. If you thought, you know what, I would like to contribute to all that God is doing in and through Southside. I would like to partner with them. You can do that in three simple ways. First, you can text GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 706-449-0870. Secondly, you can do it on the Southside app in the GIVE tab. Lastly, Southside.online. You can do it through the GIVE section on our website. Thank you so much for being here with us today, and we hope you have a great rest of your week.